Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman, and we have a great show here for you today. Uh, we are here with my guest, Rachel Condon, who is a very smiley acupuncturist from the Northampton Acupuncture Clinic. Uh, so welcome, Rachel. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yes, absolutely. Um, so tell us a little bit about... Um, about the Northampton Community Acupuncture. Right? You you guys are right downtown. Right downtown. Um, we're right two doors down from Thorns Marketplace in a charming old building. Mm. Um, we're up on the uh, third floor. Um, unfortunately, it is um, not accessible. The old buildings don't tend to have, this one anyways doesn't have an elevator, so that is one downside. Um, so you got to get a little huffing up the third floor. a lot of stairs, as people often remind me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in, I would love to eventually um, move into an accessible space and and, and working on that. But, um, but yeah, I've been there 13 years um, wow. in the same space ever since I, I finished school. And doing um, strictly community acupuncture? No. Okay. Since, um, actually, when, when I started, um, I started the practice with, um, with a colleague who I went to school with, and we graduated at the same time. And we uh, moved out here in 2006 and bought the practice from another acupuncturist who had been here, and, so, and she had been practicing for several years and had a clientele, and she had um, been doing uh, what we would call a hybrid practice so it was she saw private clients and had a couple of community clinics a week and so we adopted that when we started and continued with the clinics and then and the private sessions and then a couple years later my colleague moved back to the Boston area with her husband Um, and so and and I remained and and then in 2010 I just decided my heart was really with the community acupuncture part and it was hard um, trying to do two different style practices because they really are different. Um, and, and so I just went for it and converted to all community acupuncture and it's been, it's been that ever since. Cool. Yeah. So tell the listeners what the difference between community acupuncture and a a private practices with patients one-on-one. Sure. Um, well, one of the main differences is that in community acupuncture, you're getting treated in a room with other people. Um, the way our space is set up, we have um, three massage tables and three recliners, so up to six people at a time. Um, it's a large kind of open room, high ceiling, huge tree in the room. It's it's with big windows. It's a nice, nice kind of comfy um, space. And so... So people are being treated in a room with other people, and um, and the cost is really the other big factor um, for the client. It's 
anywhere they range um, depending on the place you're going but it's it's usually half um, to to less than half the cost of a private session um, from a practitioner standpoint um, it's you know you're treating um, more certainly usually more people per hour um, so it's a busier pace um, I generally treat three to four people per hour um, some clinics treat several more people per hour, um, but we don't have in my space, there's myself and another acupuncturist that I, um, that's my employee. And, um, we, and we don't have a front desk staff, so it, it takes us a little more a little time, juggling act. a little bit of a juggling act, um, to, to balance all that. So I really, I also don't want to be um, rushing the time that I have with people because it's, it's important to me to maintain some kind of, um, I know, to honor the space of a healing treatment. And it's, and I guess the juggling act part is, is a theme, um, with community acupuncture. That's, that is perhaps one of the more challenging parts for me, but it's also a more dynamic and fun part, um, because it forces you really to get very good in your diagnostic skills and to get um, efficient at being present and asking the right questions and, you know, kind of getting to the heart of the matter with people um, quickly and establishing rapport in a relationship, creating a safe healing space for people. Um, how, how, do you, how do you get to the heart of the matter quickly? Because what I found is that yeah. people will come in for one thing, <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden you ask them about how they sleep, and then you open up a can of worms. Right. Right. And people don't necessarily tend to lead with that. And of course, it's, it may not be feel comfortable or safe or to talk about such things, or sometimes people aren't making those connections themselves, that that's, that, you know, that you know, oh, the, you know, this ins chronic insomnia, you know, may be leading to, um, you know, a lot of fatigue, anxiety, pain conditions, even or low immunity. I mean, various things. And certainly the stress factor, you know, is, is also like an under, under emphasized for a lot of people or it's just assumed because this, I mean, here with the world we're living in, um, and, and it's just, you know, people, the vast majority of us are really constantly dealing and managing, um, you know, various levels and, and degrees of stress in our lives. And that definitely has an impact, um, a big impact on your health, um, probably more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And so, and so, yeah, getting to the heart of the matter with people. I mean, I think that's a question. That's a great question for all, um, healthcare practitioners and people who, you know, who work with others in any kind of healing supportive way, I think it, and it does take time. Um, and so sometimes that's not going to happen in the first session or even the first few sessions. But I guess to, to make it simple, um, being present with people is, and listening and, and being a good listener and, um, you know, just seeing where where things are going to go, not necessarily being um, having such an agenda um, 
you know, which is, you know, and again, it's a juggling act that, um, cause you only have so much time and it's, it's important, particularly with, um, when you're seeing someone for the first time to get necessary and relevant health information and, and to kind of go through, um, the background and history and such. But then, you know, then I think it's, otherwise it's really important to establish that, yes, I'm a person, you're a person, I, you know, to create, set up that space for a respectful relationship. And particularly too, when you're talking about something like acupuncture, a lot of people, we see a lot of people for the first time who've never had acupuncture before because of the community acupuncture part, um, that the cost factor opens up the accessibility um, quite a bit. And so a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't even consider trying it, you know, come to us for the first time, and they've never had it before. Um, and so there might be some, you know, some fears, some, you know, fears around needles or just not sure how it all works or, you know, um, what to expect is it, all of those sorts of things. And so, you know, we're trying to, um, to, to honor space for all of that too. And so it can take a little time to kind of get into what's really going on for people. Mm. So walk us through what uh, it would be like for a person to come in for the first time. They find their downtown parking. They uh, they huff it up the three flights of stairs <laughs> next to Thorns. And um, is it walk-in or is it do people usually have to have an appointment ahead of time? We strongly encourage people to get an appointment ahead of time. Um, at this point, you know, my schedule um, is often booked. I mean, it it we have an online scheduling system, which is... For most people who use computers, it's awesome and it's convenient. Um, so people can go online 24 hours a day. They can go right through our website, create a login, see the schedule, and book. Even you know if they're downtown and like, oh, I wonder if there's a spot open, and walk you can over see in real time. And yep, so it's so so that's um, that's definitely what I recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, so say someone, you know, booked it, book it, go online, book an appointment. It's their first initial visit. Um, they get to the um, clinic, hopefully 15 minutes early, and fill out the six-page form. Absolutely. In the waiting room, we have a nice, comfy waiting room um, that we share with a therapist and um, people that can fill out, fill out their form. And then um, we'll we'll come get them. We go across the hall. We have a separate room from the treatment area where um, we talk with people and we do the intake. Um, we go through the health history with them, and that's where we're, you know, getting that information um, and also just finding out, you know, more about them and answering if some people have questions or concerns or mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, prior experiences with acupuncture you know so that's that's the time to um to go over any of that um before the treatment um and then bring them next door um we always do a treatment as well at the first visit Mm -hmm. um and that's usually our treatments go from 30 to 40 minutes um so we get them set up with with the needles and and do they stay fully dressed, or is it like partial dress, or how does it's, that kind of work? Yeah, it most of the time, I would say, we tell people, 
if you can wear loose-fitting clothings, uh, loose-fitting clothing, um, the skinny jean situation is it's really hard a, it's kind of a bummer. For, it's not easy to pull up your it leg. Is, when it is not. It is not. So that you know, we make do when that happens. There are a lot of um, the s- strongest and most powerful points in the body are actually on the hands and feet. So that's, oh, that's kind of convenient. Why is that? They're the um, beginning or ending points of the meridians. Ah, and so those happen to have. Um, uh, very powerful functions and just um, often be the points we would want to use anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it's really, um, it's like the elbows down to the hands and knees down to the feet are often the points we're going to do the most, um, along with some points maybe on the face, head, um, ear points, um, and then sometimes belly points and back points. And usually we can you know, pull up clothing and that kind of thing. Sometimes, um, you know, if if the person is comfortable, has like a tank top on underneath, they might, you know, or bring a pair of shorts or something. But usually, I mean, we we do, we have blankets and such, but we don't, we're not really having people um, disrobe and, and try to drape and that kind of thing, not in a community setting. Yeah, and it kind of makes sense too, because if you're working just with a 30 or 40 minute window, the undressing takes a few minutes as well. So if people are, if you can, you know, hike up your sleeve or something, that's a lot more time, uh, less time consuming than than fully disrobing. Exactly, exactly. It's, you learn the the little things like that really do make a difference, especially, in a setting like that, and if if you have a full schedule and you're going, I'm usually on a 15 minute um, schedule with people, and so have people like leave shoes in the waiting room, coats in the waiting room, and and phones off, and all that sort of thing. Kind of yeah. get kind of train people to get used to the routine, and then you know, and once people know what to do, and they go, you know, settle right in, and and they're ready to go, and then you know. You get to do your thing. You do my thing. Max and, efficiency. And yes. And hopefully they settle in and relax and, and perhaps even fall asleep and have a little nap. That sounds great. Um, and then we check in at the, for the first treatment. We check in at the end, see how it went and and talk about potential treatment plan and, and that sort of thing. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, seeing a, a larger volume of folks at a community acupuncturist, and if you're just tuning in, we're chatting with Rachel Congdon over at the Northampton Community Acupuncture. And um, seeing a larger volume of people coming in through this, this community style, um, what is your current favorite thing to treat? Because <laughs> it kind of comes in waves, doesn't it? It does. It's, it's interesting how, like, you know, you it, might see somebody who does has like a lot of like belly rumblings or right. nervous belly rumblings, and then you right. know you go through people who maybe are having really heavy periods or, or what, yeah. you know you kind of go through these phases. But currently, what's what's your favorite thing to treat? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Um, I guess. I might have to say you can be as graphic as you want. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there, <laughs> it, there's a few different ways I could go with it. But uh, the first thing that came to mind, I'm gonna say, is like allergies, and which are I am seeing a fair bit of this time of year, and have been the last couple of months, and sinus issues, and it's my favorite because. Um, it's even though it can f- be be like kind of an intense treatment when people first get it because we put 
um, we put in needles on the face. Okay, straight into the eyeballs, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Just kidding. We do not. Just put kidding. Needles into your <laughs> no needles in the eyes, um, <laughs> um, or on the tongue. Um, but it works for most people. It has a, such an immediate effect that people are just amazed, and they'll walk out. Um, you know, if they come in really blocked up with a note, like huge difference, and and that's satisfying. You know, that's so I like that. Um, get seeing that. You know, you don't always get that immediate like, wow, the needles are in, and like I can breathe now through my nose. So that's that's cool. Does does stuff with your sinuses also affect your hearing? Is that whole yes. area connected? Absolutely, absolutely. And in fact, I've definitely been having um, a number of people with chronic sinus congestion that it goes that it eventually goes into their ears, and wow. and we can help with that too. Just opening up. Um, points on the outside of the ears and then people uh, are like i wish i didn't have to hear all of that yeah. <laughs> after that opens up you're like oh right. there was convenient to have actually, that actually <laughs> maybe <laughs> i'll keep it blocked next time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sounds great i saw that um on your bio um well first of all your website for the northampton community acupuncture is noho community acupuncture.com um and on your bio, you talk about how, you know, your earlier studies, you were, you know, look, you were studying behavioral neuroscience and philosophy. Yes. That is yeah. a far sure. jump from doing, <laughs> working in alternative healthcare and do it being an acupuncturist. <laughs> um, how, how, yeah, yeah. tell me about in that my, kind of connection. Between sure, um, sure. It. It in my mind, it it actually it kind of all makes sense in a certain way, and I'll explain why. Um, when I I went to um, undergraduate at Northeastern University and um, started with psychology, with just as an interest in wanting to delve into deeper things with people and understand how people tick, um, and then as I studied psychology, the neuroscience aspect and neuropsychology part was the most intriguing and interesting to me at the time that I felt like that was the, the most exciting that really got into well how does the brain work um, and I, this was back in the early 90s and so neuroscience was actually like really just kind of c coming into its own I'll say in terms of like where it is now um, so it was an exciting time and I did I actually um, participated in research on um, at the school for a couple of years and and worked with graduate students and stuff and um, and you know there was that was at the time when the brain was actually being literally being mapped and and figured out different parts um, and so that it, that was really fascinating to me along with um, philosophy which I had probably discovered in in high school was when I found Henry David Thoreau and such characters mm. and 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 just the sort of questioning you know why and what's all this about kind of a thing and um, I remember I, I actually did want to study philosophy as a major and and my advisor said you're never gonna get a job with that so just pick something else 
like, oh, okay. Like, are you really going to get practical with me right now? Yeah, come on. <laughs> I'm 18 years old. So I did a loop around and ended up minoring in it so that I could take more classes. But the neuroscience part, um, it was an interdisciplinary major. And um, it I actually completed a lot of pre-med requirements and was through that and was um, considering that track. Um, and so I took a lot of science classes and, you know, by the end, towards the end of that degree, I really, um, I was really dissatisfied. Um, I felt like the, um, the current state of Western science, the way how Western science was being te- uh, taught, um, from physics to biology, all of it, um, was leaving out a, a big chunk of the story. Um, in my mind. And so I, you know, we were learning Newtonian physics and not, and I was getting really interested in quantum physics and that sort of thing. And, and it, you know, it was really mind body, the connection between mind and body. And, um, and so when I graduated, that was my interest. And so when I, I did graduate with a degree, but I was pretty disillusioned with going down the track of, um, going to medical school between the competitiveness of the field and and that I didn't um, I wasn't really buying the um, that approach to to Western medicine and even though at the time I didn't really have a clear picture in my mind of an alternative to pursue um, so I graduated and got a job and and was just looking for a job and just happened to f- get my first job in a tiny publishing company in Brookline um, that just happened to um, publish and distribute books on Chinese medicine. No kidding. And I really literally, I I thought, well, that's an interesting field, but it was really more the book part that was interesting to me. Um, It was a mail order company. This was pre-internet. Wow. And uh, yeah. Old school. That was like totally old school. I I was, you know, did customer service and did a little bit of the publishing end, but I started reading and I got, and I could get free acupuncture as one of my benefits. No kidding. And I thought, this is kind of cool, but I I honestly, um, you know, I learned, I started learning more about it and, but I wasn't so sure about the needle part in terms of myself doing it. Wait, how did you get free acupuncture working for a book publishing company that sold books in that field, but how did you get free acupuncture out of that? That was our arrangement because they did not offer me health insurance. That was oh, my health insurance. That was your health insurance. That was my health insurance. Which I think is valid because I often see chiropractic for me personally as like my go-to. That's who, when I'm feeling a little yucky, that's the first person I go to. Oh, in California, you can have, um, I don't, I'm not sure about chiropractor, but you can choose an acupuncturist as your primary care. No kidding. So That's amazing. Yeah. We should be doing yeah. that in Massachusetts. Yeah. We should be putting some legislation into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe we'll get there. Um, but it's, yeah, it does, it does actually make a lot of sense. And I thought it was great. And I, you know, and I did that was kind of how I used it. And that was my first go-to. And it was a... That was your health insurance. Yeah. Did you use it? In, oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I went and the, you know, the very first person I ever received acupuncture from actually ended up being one of my teachers, you know, 12, 13 years later. 
um, you know, he was still, he was taught at the school and, you know, and, and had, but had had a practice back then even. So he'd been practicing a long time um, by the time I, I, I was a student of his in school. But um, was he doing, was that teacher doing traditional Chinese acupuncture or were they doing Japanese acupuncture? Japanese, actually. Okay. So that was like your first introduction so, was the Japanese acupuncture. Yes. So tell us, can you tell, um, and if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Valley Free Radio, and this is Energy Matters. We're chatting with Rachel Condon, who is the Northampton Community Acupuncture. Um, But can you tell us the difference between traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, and and Japanese? It's probably very complex, but maybe. Yeah, I can give it like a a general sense of it, because there are, um, I mean, technically there are actually several Chinese styles and there are several Japanese styles, um, but but traditional Chinese medicine TCM is actually a specific style and okay. approach oh, um, that, that was developed um, in the um, 1950s, and that was sort of the main approach that was brought to the U.S. when acupuncture was first brought to the United States in the 70s, um, and when the first school was started which is the school that I went to in New England School of Acupuncture. It was actually the first acupuncture school in wow. the United States. Prestigious. Um, yeah. It, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it was a, a great program and, and one of the few that offered both Chinese and Japanese acupuncture styles. So all of the students who went, um, who go to, to um, what we call NISA, um, the school, receive training on TCM style acupuncture and then you can choose select the track of Japanese style acupuncture or herbs herbal medicine or both Um, I did the Chinese and Japanese styles of acupuncture only Um, and so the I would say the main difference and what what appealed to me the most um, about the Japanese style is that it tends to be the needling style tends to be more gentle. Mm. Um, it um, the the th- thought being behind it being that you don't need to um, stimulate the needle very much to to activate the chi. There, it's a different way of actually thinking about of the practitioner thinking about um, how to access the chi in the person's body and with some Chinese styles it um, there is a thought that of going deeper at certain points um, because the chi is thought to literally um, be in a, in a a deeper level I mean we're talking about like millimeters it's not it's not a it's not a very big um, distance from from our standpoint but it's because we're talking about we're still talking about energy here we're not, and we're talking about needles that that aren't going in um, very deep at all, but I like the I like a more um, gentle, more subtle approach, and I found that um, with the Japanese styles, um, I also um, apprenticed for a couple of years while I was in school with um, a Japanese acupuncture master who out in the Newton area um, named Kiko Matsumoto. She's amazing, dynamic. Um, fabulous practitioner and was really fun to work with um and I got to learn her style and 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 just work with her and observe her in in practice and um so that just resonated with me but as I think is what's true for many acupuncturists and myself included is that you 
when you're in training, you, you're exposed to a number of different approaches and styles, and then you find what resonates with you. Um, and at this point, I would say my, my particular approach is a, is a blend now of a number of them. Mm. Um, but definitely I, I go on the more on the uh, approach of, um, gentle, less is more, um, that I, and I really believe and, and find that this holds true in, in terms of the effects that people have from treatments that you don't need to, um, do mu- too much stimulation that I think particularly in, in our society mm. um, and in these times where many of us are overstimulated a lot of the time. And so I think one of the jobs and purpose of acupuncture is to help the nervous system calm down and to get less stimulated. And so mm. we, that's what I want the needles to, to be doing as well. Yeah. It's really interesting. So when you're kind of taking, when you're working through this more Japanese systems of acupuncture, when you're working for a, a gentler, less is more type of method, what does that look like for you? And what does that look like for the person who's receiving a treatment like that? Um, <clears throat> well, for, let's see, um, for the person receiving the treatment, Again, in terms of the um, how, if they're feeling the needles going in or not, or once they're in, um, there there are approaches where acupuncturists, and this does tend to be more true in Chinese styles, where the needle is inserted and then stimulated to actually invoke a, a what we call a qi response. And they were trying to get the energy to like come to the needle, and um, in those cases, and um, I don't do that generally. Okay. So for myself, so it's it's I'm I'm just inserting the needle and then I let it be. And so people will, the experience people will have is to um, is that they may not even actually feel the needles go in, um, but then once they're in, they start to have. An effect and the energy is getting engaged. Um, so, from my standpoint as a practitioner with the Japanese approach, I'm also um, I'm relying on my own intuition in terms of point selection, and some of it can be can be hard to um, cipher out at this point because it's become such. Um, an automatic part of my process as I'm going about diagnosing and like thinking about how I'm going to approach treatment. But I also um, tend to use, I, I favor using a certain category of points and they're um, points that are, um, that open what are called the extraordinary vessels. I like the way that sounds. It's, uh, it's these are, these are wonderful points to use in, in my, in my mind. And I, and they are used more in Japanese-style treatments. Um, what are the extraordinary vessels? The extraordinary vessels are um, a collection like of... some magical ships <laughs> just sailing into our vast ocean of our bodies. It just, it sounds so magical. Well, they, they really are magical. They're, they're thought to be the earliest form meridians in the body, and they form in utero. Ah. And they, and once... Um, the a human is born, 
than the organ meridians form, which is the ones that we're more used to seeing that are mapped out in pictures, um, the liver meridian and lung and large intestine and all of that. But the um, the extraordinary vessels are are the are ones such as the conception vessel, the governing vessel. Um, they're the also the deepest um, meridians in the body, and so we how as practitioners, how we access those, are there certain points where they're thought to sort of come up to the surface? Um, and, and at certain points that are on the main meridians, like for, I'll use an example just um, to make it more concrete, the, the conception vessel, um, which is also thought of as like the mother, the mother vessel. It's the great, the ultimate yin of all vessels. Um, and, it's you. The opening point for that vessel is um, a, a lung point that's near the wrist, um, and it's a fantastic point to use for for many different um, many different issues. It's the the vessel itself runs down the midline of the body um, from the face um, just below the mouth, and it down um, straight down the midline and ends in the genital area. And a very powerful point for all kinds of fertility issues, digestive, um, lung issues, certainly. If you think about the throat, you know, and then in, um, any issues going along um, the midline, chest, heart opening. Um, so, I, so the extraordinary vessels are a particular um, uh, favorite of mine, and they can be used in, in interesting combinations too, which can help, um, you know, with a variety um, of physical and emotional issues, and also um, developmental, um, because these were the earliest formed in the body. We can be also thinking about these in a developmental way, mm. and and sometimes that comes up for people or um, developmental. Uh, development getting perhaps frozen at certain points because of trauma. Mm. Um, so it gets, it can get really interesting there. They are, um, those are also the points I will go to first for trauma um, and PTSD types of issues. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really some cool theory behind. There's a lot, there's a lot there. Um, it's, you know, if you think, I mean, this medicine it's thousands of years old, and it's a really, um, and even though it's, you know, here we are in, you know, 21st century in America, um, a lot of it, once you get past, I found, for me, and it, it took being immersed in it for, you know, three and a half years of, of graduate school and just night and day to really get it all um, and get a, a sense of it that where that became my way of thinking about the body and, and healing um, and, and health and balance and imbalance. But once you get past like the the language foreignness of it, it really, there's really so much about this medicine that is, to me, is intuitive and, and practical, makes a lot of sense, and, and in some ways simple um, in the sense of like, what we need to do to stay healthy. It's just simple but not easy kind of a, a thing in, the, in our modern world. What do uh, we need to do to stay healthy? <laughs> well, ideally, get lots of sleep. Lots of sleep. 
you know, sleep, go to sleep, you know, I mean, okay, maybe not soon after it's dark, because it's dark at 4.30 now, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, go to sleep at a, at a, at a or, you know, when you're tired, or, or, or be, we'll just say, go get, get adequate sleep, eight, nine hours a night, um, at least, um, for most people, you know, eating, nutritious nourishing food preferably as much as possible local um you know without pesticides um without antibiotics all of that stuff if even better if you can grow your own if you know your farmer if you can support your your local foods unprocessed stuff um community you know um managing that stress um and moving your body on a regular basis, I mean, that's, you know, having a purpose in your life mm. and, and a, you know, belief in a higher, some kind of, you know, meaning that you give to your life, however that you break that down. I mean, if, if we could all practice those tenets on a regular basis and honor that in ourselves and each other and give ourselves time and space for that in our lives, I think we'd be a very different world. Mm, yeah. Everybody would be feeling a little better. So lots of sleep. Yeah. Eat local or grow your own as much as possible, free of pesticides, move your body, manage your stress. and uh, But purpose and, and, and community. Purpose. Yeah, purpose and community in some way. Yeah. I like it. That's, yeah, it is simple and kind of complex. Yeah. I mean, then, you know, add in, okay, so you've got a full-time, you know, job, you've got kids, you've got, you know, a, a spouse, you've got activities, you've got doctor's appointments, and they've got soccer practice, and there's, you know, and pretty soon, you know, and your cell phone's beeping all the time, and you're, you know, there's, it's, it, and bills to pay, and, and. You know, it just, it's in our modern world today and so much, you know, suffering happening and climbing. There's, you know, it gets, it can get complicated very easily. And I get that. Um, and I'm not trying to oversimplify it. But um, how do you, how do you fit those things into your personal life? I, I really make an effort to fit all of those things in as, you know, with, without being like crazy about it. Um, I, so I make an effort to not overwork for one thing. And I feel, I feel grateful that I, you know, I'm, I'm working. I mean, that's one of the choices I've made to, in, in terms of having my own business and working for myself. Um, it's a, you know, it's a riskier in a way place to live. Um, in terms of those comforts and security that you you give up, uh, but the on the other hand, you it gives you that freedom and flexibility, and and I've learned to take that, and so I structure. Um, I'm also somebody who um, I'm a I consider myself a pretty empathic, sensitive individual, and and that type of healer, and so I've learned to recognize over the years that having those qualities and skills has its gifts in place and and is helpful in the work I do and requires that I take downtime so I 
um, and time to replenish myself. So I would say the main things for me these days are like, I'm a like really into sleep and <laughs> love going to bed early whenever I can. Yeah. Um, and I really love hiking in the woods, especially with my dog mm. um, and maybe a couple of close friends. And um, I, I, don't I'm not doing any social media right now wow I've taken a break and I actually feels awesome does that mean you like took Instagram off of your phone I I I didn't even put Instagram on my phone okay I know I (laughs) but I had I was I had my Facebook junkie time phase that was a long phase (laughs) so I have been down that rabbit hole and it just um, I just have, to, and I have to be really, I'm really selective about what I take in, in terms of news and, and, you know, in general, like, and it's, that's a practice. I mean, we all, you know, I'm sure these days it's like, we know, most of us know the dangers of like being glued to our phones and, and all of that and, and, and how much that's actually, you know, now being found to like change our brain chemistry and, um, as well as our structure, you know, neck issues. I mean, there's, I treat it, I see, see the issue, you know, some of the fallout from it and, but I also experience it myself. And so, you know, it's a constant, it's a constant, um, you know, up and down dynamic in and out of balance with, with all of that stuff, but, and certainly, you know, eating good, healthy food. Um, absolutely. But it's, you know, I do feel like that's, you know, preventative, Prevent, that's preventative medicine. Um, and that's actually one of the um, uh, foundations, really, of Chinese medicine is it, they do, in the classics, they t- talk about, you know, it's really, emph- the emphasis is on how to live your life. Um, and then there's what to do when things go wrong and are out of balance and how to get them back in balance. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we were, we were just rapping about how you feel really, um, really strongly about wanting people to connect with their body and the, the kind of way that a lot of Western medicine works is often about kind of pathologizing, creating a diagnosis and healing the symptoms. And, um, and I know that your, your framework is, is very different from that. And I'd love to hear more about how, um, how your framework as an acupuncturist, uh, connects people with their body and, and how you kind of, um, work a little differently from, from that, uh, that method of getting the diagnosis and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, it is something that I really, I do feel strongly about because um, I treat, I've treated so many people over the years and had so many conversations with people. And often I'm seeing people too who are coming in, you know, they've they've been to many doctors. There's often frustration. They're not getting the results that they wanted. Um, sometimes things have gotten worse through some Western interventions and and I'm certainly I'll, I'll just say outright too I'm I respect Western medicine I'm not here to demonize it or make it the bad guy. However, um, I'm also in a unique position to in in treating a lot of folks and and kind of hearing the other the other side of it and having my own perspective and and so one of the um, things that I think is is really been a um, 
sort of a downfall in a um, kind of a bad direction, um, a wrong direction for, for Western medicine to go is all of the um, specializing into um, various various specialties. You go see this person for this part of your body, this person for that. Um, and um, the thing is, we are each functioning as one being, and it's it really is all connected. And it's something I say, and it sounds, you know, it can be like, you know, sounding, you know, trite or, or overused, or what does that really mean? But it actually, like in Chinese medicine, there's this whole, the theoretical foundations of it are all about how much, very much everything's connected. And so... Well, even like when you were talking about some of the extraordinary vessels, you were like, there's points that lead from your throat and your mouth all the way down to your genitals. Right. And then there's these points that are all at the ends of your fingers and points that are at the ends of your hands that are connected right. to, they're all ending of the meridian points, which run your whole body. Right. 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 And then connect internally with the organs um, and so can affect those. But it's, I mean, we have access. The thing is, um, I mean, if you think about it too, there's, I mean, Chinese medicine was dis- was cr- discovered um, and evolved thousands of years ago before, you know, any of the modern Western science, which is really only about 300 years old, developed and, and we got this, under, you know, breaking down, you know, organs and cells and the, you know, subcellular level and all the chemicals and neurotransmitters and hormones and all of this. Chinese medicine still had this very sophisticated, actually, understanding of how the body works by observing people alive, generally. Not, there, there was some cadaver study, but it was primarily observing people. And so this is what I, I'm bringing, I bring to my medicine too, and I think is helpful in empowering people and reminding people that it's all connected is because um, we, we diagnose by observation, listening, um, and making connections between patterns. So it's instead of, um, you know, someone will come in and they'll say, well, I've got, you know, I've got IBS and geez, I've got arthritis in my knees and um, I get migraines and have bad periods. And actually, in my mind, I'm seeing all the connections that immediately that are between all of those things. So IBS, migraines, and heavy periods are... And knee pain. And knee pain. Really? Because of the um, meridian factor. Mm. And so, you know, stomach and spleen meridians, which are, um, have a big effect on uh, digestion, digestion, um, go right down either side of the knee. And they really, you do end up seeing some, often, I would say more than sometimes, um, not always, but often, a connection between um, an organ imbalance or some kind of like like if it's a stomach, for example, some kind of digestive issue, and then there there might well be um, some kind of pain or injury, weakness stuff going on um, on the structural level as well. And so and so it's you know sharing this with people and uh, um, and making helping them see it from a different perspective and making the connections and also just not leaving people feeling stuck with like a bunch of diagnoses that I feel like is um, 
often, I mean, it's it's empowering to have knowledge and information. Sometimes people want to know what the heck is going on, and it, it can help to have a name to something, and I get that. But I also see that it um, can be disempowering because then people feel like they have to go get it fixed by someone um, or go get the procedure or... Or, you know, sometimes the medication, and I, more and more people I know are, are, are wary of, of medications because of all the other problems that they can cause. But also to know, you know, that your body um, has these incredible abilities to get back into balance, to heal itself um, with, you know, perhaps gentle, minimal interventions and, and, and getting a chance to have that, you know, just your whole system kind of calm down. Um, from the overstimulation, you know, mm. which, you know, jacks up your nervous system can kick in a stress response, which prevents your body from healing. And even that alone can, you know, that perpe- can perpetuate inflammation, low immune system. The whole the cycle whole, gets going. The whole yeah. cycle gets going. And it really, if you can unwind that and and kind of remind the system like, okay, we're going to dial it down. Yep then give that immune system a chance to really work and, mm-hmm. and the anti-inflammatory chemicals that our own bodies produce yeah. to work, you know. And then, you know, people can, can you know, my hope is to feel more empowered that they actually ha- do have more control over the health um, of their own bodies. Fabulous. How can, um, how can people find you and all this wonderful work that you're putting into the world? Well, probably the easiest is NoHo Community Acupuncture dot com, the website. Um, so NoHo N O H O Community Acupuncture dot com. Yes, exactly. Um, we and we do have the online scheduling system, which which a lot of people find useful and convenient. Um, we are right downtown Northampton, um, next to the Artisan Gallery. Um, our sandwich board, which is currently buried in snow. Oh no. <laughs> Can't do much about that. <laughs> nope, <laughs> not for not for maybe next week when yeah. it raids. Um, yeah, and that's where we are. All right, that's fabulous. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on our show today. And if you're just tuning in um, and you want to hear more about what Rachel Condon was talking about or what you know any of the discussions as we flowed throughout the hour you can always go back and listen to this episode or past episodes on uh, reikinorthampton.com backslash radio so um, that's an easy way that you can go back and just listen to all those um, all those episodes or this one um, because it's a good one so uh, so thank you so much for for coming on the show today Mm. and thank you very much caroline it's a pleasure absolutely absolutely so uh take care everyone all right that's it be well guys